Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Fellas, welcome to Man Challenge. Again, the the digital edition. I'm here with Sam Reeder and Chris Burke. We are all three in um, unique places this time due to uh, the need to quarantine. We're actually recording this during the national championship football game. Sam and I know what the score is. Burke doesn't. He's recording it and wants to get this over with so that he can go watch it. Um, Super brief today. Super brief. We'll be quick. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. Excited men to jump into a new semester here at Man Challenge. We've got a lot of, of new guys. Um, so, Burke, give us a, a snapshot. What are what are guys showing up to at Man Challenge? What do we do and why do we do it? Man, at Man Challenge, we are about confidence and competence in who Jesus is. Who Who is the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of modern-day culture, not the Jesus that your parents or grandparents have taught you, but the, the Jesus that is – uh, living and active that we find in God's word and his scriptures. And we want to grow in confidence in our faith and our knowledge of who he was and our competence uh, and what the scriptures say about him and our ability to articulate that uh, and to allow that to overflow into our life. And secondly, man, we want to create intimate male relationships where we can be known and where we can know other men for the purpose of uh, linking arms and trying to look more like Jesus and love others better in his name. That's right. Yeah. So if you, if you've jumped in, um, we're going to study scripture uh, here together and then you'll go to your group, whether you guys are meeting in person or on zoom like this uh, and you'll, you'll break down scripture together this semester. Uh, as we launch into 2021, we'll have a, a couple of series over the winter and spring, but the first series we're jumping into we're looking at the book of Acts. We're uh, aligning with the church in a series called Unleashed. Sam, what, um, what are we looking to do in this series as we open the book of Acts? Yeah, so as you said, uh, we are looking at kind of this premise, this idea that the Spirit of God makes a huge difference in the life of followers of Jesus. Uh, and then through his spirit, we are unleashed to go be the men that God has called us to be, to play our role within the body uh, and, and to live out our destiny, you could say. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book of Acts. So if, if maybe you're new to scripture, uh, a lot of people have heard of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Luke is a gospel written by a guy. We don't know a lot about him. He was a physician. His name was Luke. Uh, and he wrote kind of a two-part literary work that is the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. And we typically call that the Book of Acts. Uh, and so as we, as we walk through this book over the next five weeks, we're going to take a look at uh, what's mostly narrative, but it's stories of individuals uh, in the early life of the church. So this is right after Jesus is resurrected and ascended. Now we see these men who we've kind of watched for a few years suddenly are these key pieces in the building and the establishment of uh, the early church, which is kind of exciting to see because we've seen a lot of their junk and trash over the past few years of their life in scripture. Um, 
but as, as we go through it, we're going to encourage you men to also read the book of Acts. So uh, there's 28 chapters that will equate to about a chapter a day. So a few of them per week, which is not a big ask. Uh, but as you walk through that, uh, we would just encourage you to uh, maybe keep this one primary lens in mind, and that is how Luke opens up his gospel in chapter one. Uh, he says that he writes these things, verse four, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So like Burke's point about we want to develop a confident, competent understanding of who Jesus is, uh, that's what Luke wants for us too. That's why he is so de detail oriented and why he's written the account he has. And that's why we're going to study it. Uh, so that's what we'll be diving into. And the, the series is titled Unleashed because we believe that as you come to know Jesus, it's only through that that you can be unleashed to be the man that you were called to be. So we're going to look at specific characters each week. This week, we're looking at a guy named Peter. Um, Actually, two years ago, right around this time, we did an entire series on Peter. Um, but today we're going to study what uh, it took for Peter to be unleashed. Peter's um, kind of character arc has some pretty tremendous highs. He, he walked on water. He was present at the transfiguration. He um, was the first person to call Jesus the son of God. But he also had some... Um, just shameful lows. He, uh, Jesus told him he had little faith. Jesus called him Satan. Um, and then on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Peter, who had promised to die on Jesus' behalf, denied him three times, pretending that he didn't even know who he was. And so today we're showing up in Acts 2, if you want to go ahead and turn there um, in your Bibles, uh, to look at how Jesus... Um, restored, redeemed, redeployed Peter to be unleashed, to be the, the man he was called to be. And so a little bit of context on this passage, Sam mentioned um, Acts, the book happens right after the gospels, which is the story of the life and ministry of Jesus. The end of the very last gospel, John 21, we see Jesus uh, forgive and restore Peter for his denial of him and then redeploy him to be the rock of the church. Then Jesus ascends into heaven to some extent, leaving our boy Peter in charge, <laughs> but he doesn't leave uh, Peter out to dry. He gives Peter and the, the apostles and the early church, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That's the first 13 verses of chapter two here. We show up in verse 14, um, kind of coming at the tail end of some chaos. In fact, some of the people uh, <laughs> who were around uh, the spirits coming were like, hey, these dudes are drunk. Like my man's been drinking. These, these people are off the wall. Um, and what we see is Peter address them and respond to them. And what we're going to learn today um, is the answer to two questions. Two questions we're going to see um, the Spirit give to us in Scripture as we see how Peter was unleashed. And it is um, question one, what unleashed Peter? He had, he had this immense amount of guilt, of shame, of weakness. What is it that unleashed him to preach to these people? And two, how can you and I experience that, that very same freedom? So one, what unleashed Peter? Two, how can we um, access that freedom, that, that capacity to be unleashed? So we'll jump right in. Acts 2 verses 14 through 41 is what we're going to study today. We'll break it down into some um, chunks, but I'll read those first seven verses. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Sam, our boy Peter's been given the keys uh, to the kingdom, essentially. And he is given the opportunity to preach his first sermon here. And he opens up to quote the prophet Joel, um, which honestly, if you asked me two weeks ago, hey, what's Joel talk about? I thought, hey, is he the one who <laughs> says scary things? Uh, but yeah, Joel, who preached repentance in light of um, a swarm of bugs, <laughs> that's where Peter starts his sermon. Fill that in here. How does, what's that tell us about Jesus as Peter's yeah. preaching about him in the Old Testament? Yeah, I, I think it just bears uh, noticing that Pentecost happens, the spirit falls, there's tongues, there's all this wild stuff. And your boy, Peter, the first thing he stands up and preaches is he quotes scripture. I think that in itself, there's some real wisdom in there we can glean. <laughs> uh, but more to your point. Uh, so it, the Old Testament, this would be the first half of your Bible or the first two thirds volume wise. Uh, and Joel is a prophet from the old Testament and, and Peter stands up and he quotes Joel. Um, and a lot of times we have a tendency to think that the old Testament's this disconnected archaic type deal, but uh, clearly to Luke, it is a source of evidence verifying that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Um, and so I, I think a good picture of this is in Luke's uh, gospel account again in verse 24. So right after Jesus resurrects, there's a couple of disciples on the road who are just kind of bummed out and they bump into Jesus. But for some reason, he's concealed himself and they don't recognize him. And, and they're like, are you the only dude around here who doesn't know what's going on? What do you mean? Like, why are we bummed out? And so he, he kind of takes him aside in verse 27. It says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted all of them all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So in this moment of clarity that chronologically, now Jesus has come, he's died, he's resurrected, he's ascended. He has charged Peter to go and be his, uh, Peter and the other apostles to go and be his witnesses. Peter looks to the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus and he sees, oh, he's the fulfillment of all these things. And so he uses that as his source of evidence as he's preaching for the very first time to the crowds, declaring the truth of who Jesus is. Uh, another way you could say it, I'm going to quote a guy who recently Mason said he would drink his bath water. His name's Tim sure. Keller. Uh, after him. He says, uh, all the seemingly loose threads and contradictory claims of the rest of the Bible come together in Jesus. And so I think we just see that working out in Peter here in this moment that the, these texts that seem old and confusing because they were like, this doesn't make sense. Now, in light of the person and life of Jesus, suddenly they make sense. Yeah, and and so essentially in response to someone saying, hey, are you guys drunk? <laughs> Have you been drinking? He says, no, it's 9 a.m. You're seeing the fulfillment of that book that you know. These people are familiar with Old Testament texts in ways that um, many in American are not, right? But he says, the spirit is being poured out. And I'm going to ask Burke to explain that in a little bit, but he's saying it doesn't matter your age. 
Uh, it doesn't matter your gender. The spirit has been poured out and that is being fulfilled today. This is what you're seeing. So uh, Joel, he starts with Joel, but then he goes on. Um, Burke, will you read a big old chunk here? Verses 22 to 35. I will. <clears throat> Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man, I love that, as you yourselves know, like you, you, you know this dude. Verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy to your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that this patriarch, that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. Peter's going on a little apologetics run here, Sammy, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an, on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ and was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven. And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Uh, that's a lot. Sam, I told yeah. you 30 seconds, but I'm actually going to say 20 seconds. I can do that. What's Peter, what's Peter getting after here? Again, he's quoting Old Testament scripture again, Psalm uh, 16 and 110. But what's Peter saying about David, about Jesus? What's he conveying to these people? The, the main take-home point is that it all points to Jesus. Uh, mm -hmm. One commentator succinctly says that Peter shows that the resurrected one of Psalm 16 is the one whom David in Psalm 110 calls the Lord. Thus, he bears the name of the Lord that Joel mentions in chapter 2. So all three quotes work together to point to the fact that Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah that they've been waiting on this whole time. Yeah. And these people, you know, they knew that text was about David. And he said, no, no, it's not actually completely about David because David's dead and buried. You guys want to go see his tomb? Yeah. He was dead and buried. And oh, by the way, where's Jesus' tomb? Where is it? Right. And, and where's the body, you know? Yeah, so something that we, we've seen a couple of times here, too, is, as Peter quotes scripture as he's running along through his sermon, is this, this pouring out of the Spirit. You saw it a lot in the, quote, the quotation of Joel. He says it again in verse 33. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Burke, um, that can be some confusing language, unless maybe we've got a Pentecostal background. The pouring out of the Spirit can even be some scary language for people or if you're not around the church at all you're like pouring out of the spirit what are you talking about i pour out old drinks so uh, pentecost the coming of the spirit jesus is pouring out of the spirit into believers what does that mean 
Well, first of all, he's fulfilling an, another promise that he made to the disciples, right? He told them, you know, we, we read that last semester in John 17, right? That yeah. it, I, I'm leaving to send you the great counselor. This is for your good um, that I'm leaving because the, the counselor will come and I'm with you in person, but soon I will be with you in spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, and again, we go back to this just reeks of apologetics. First of all, the disciples went from scared to death in an upper room to, I love the, I love the, the, the line. And, and, and I, anytime I go back and read this stuff with a teaching lens, I always pick up stuff that I miss when I, when I don't read it through that perspective. But how about verse 14, when Peter stood up with the 11, right? Yeah. He stood up with the 11. So it's not just Peter by himself. He stands up with the 11. They're all standing up. These men who deserted Jesus, Peter, who denied Jesus, mm. these men who were locked in an upper room because they were scared to leave their house because they figured they were going to end up with the same fate as Jesus, are now standing in front of the people as they continue to address them. You're the ones that killed him. So they're not speaking to some like, like remote group of people that don't really know what happened. They're speaking directly to the ones that just hung Jesus on a cross and brutalized them before they did that, Right. And now what has changed? What, 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 what happened? They, these dudes went from scared to death and deserting Jesus to now looking in the eyes of the people that killed Jesus and telling them they killed him and daring them to go find his body. What changed? The spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is now in them. Mm. And the beautiful thing about that is, uh, and we can read, Paul tells us in Romans, that same spirit that rose, him from, that rose him from the grave, the same spirit that allowed the 11 to stand up and boldly preach the good news for the first time in front of the people that killed Jesus, that same power is offered to us through faith in Christ, through uh, repentance, through the acceptance uh, of who he was and what he did. And we can walk in that same power, which is just Mm. Mind blowing. Yeah, that is a. That's I don't good. Anything else? Yeah, that's that's what believers have access to, is mm -hmm. that same in the same spirit that unleashed Peter from being a denier, a liar, a fraud, a failure, to being a preacher, a proclaimer, a faithful brother. Right. Um. So let's let's. You guys can tell. I mean, we are just flying through this text, but these last five verses, I really want us to sit down. Um, and we've kind of been examining the text. I want to encourage you as you read this passage, as you listen to this teaching, this is where we do as Christians, uh, we, we kind of let the, the text examine us. So we're going to get, um, we're going to allow the, the work of scripture to kind of wash over us and, and see um, some of the answers to the questions we, we posed at the very beginning of this. What unleashed Peter? We're talking the spirit is, is part of the answer to that, but then how do we get access to that? Verse 36 this is Peter preaching still. Let all Israel be assured of, of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So Peter, three times denies Jesus, says, I don't even know the guy. And to your point, Berg, now he's in a room of people who killed him and says, you bing bongs killed the, the, the Lord of the universe, the savior of the world. That's what you did. He's got this confidence, Sam, how does somebody go from that, that failure, that shame? It says uh, in, in Mark's gospel that he, he went out and wept bitterly after he had failed. And now 
he's shouting from the rooftop, the rooftops, the, the truth of Jesus and his gospel. How do you get there? In a word, Jesus. And I'd say that's the only way. That's yeah. the only word. I mean, especially like we live in a culture where a tweet, an angry tweet from five years ago can get you fired. Like, holy smokes. We live in a culture where as soon as you slip up, you're done. And this dude had the ultimate fail of denying Christ three times in a row when he's the one who saw him transfigured. I mean, mm, yeah. we, we could belabor the point, but I, this guy was commissioned by Jesus in Acts chapter one, where Luke starts us off here. Uh, Jesus commissions the apostles in verse eight, and he says, when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So Jesus had commissioned these folks to go be his witnesses. So what I would say, we could summarize this in, in a way of saying that it, the calling of Jesus is greater than the falling of man. That, that when Jesus calls us into something, it doesn't matter where you have fallen or where you have failed or to what degree to which you've missed the mark. If Jesus calls you into something, that supersedes, exceeds, covers anything that you have on your ledger. He, he blots it out and you are new in him. That is the freedom that we, we experience in Jesus and the empowerment, the emboldening of the Holy Spirit in our life. We see that at work in Peter. And the reality is what Burke has already said, the same spirit lives in us. So the reality is we can experience this same freedom and walk in that power and authority that Peter does. Well, and I, I will say this real quick, Mason, the, the combination of seeing the resurrected Lord, right, and receiving the Holy Spirit is what has been the engine, the, the driver to these men now preaching with such boldness and acting in such a way that is so radical to what they were doing prior. And so when we accept that Jesus walked out of the grave and we accept him as Lord and then uh, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, Amen. that same boldness is offered to us. And I think that's the, the beauty of being a believer is unfortunately as fallen humans, our self image is either probably um, inflated or deflated in a way that we, our potential hangs in the balance on each of those things. But when our um, perspective, when our lens shifts, when our, um, yeah, our lens on, on who Jesus is grows, our potential grows infinitely. It, it hangs on who Christ is, but he, they say something in, in 36 Burke, he's Lord and Messiah. Mm. Sure. Big terms. Why does that matter? Well, I'm just going to read my, my Bible study note, and this is a plug to get a study Bible if you don't have one. Yeah. It says, what does, what does it mean, you know, 236, what does it mean that Jesus is both Lord and Christ? It says, Lord is the Greek word used to translate the holy name of God in the Hebrew scriptures, Yahweh. Uh, Christ is the Greek word used to translate the Hebrew word Messiah. So to the Jews, Peter was calling Jesus of Nazareth God and Messiah. That group of Jews then realized they had put God to death mm. and they were cut to the heart. This is like the ultimate drop the mic kind of way to end this sermon. Uh, you, you killed God, who is the promised Messiah that you all say you're waiting on. You killed him. Mm. And at that point, they were forced with a decision. And the, the, a 
apply that to yourselves for a second, man. The spiritual reality of that is not just the, the Jews killed him. Jesus' death is a result of my sin. It was. That's correct. Yep. Right? You you killed him, Burke. Sam, you I killed That's him. Right. That's right. But what we see here is Peter's preaching, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Mm. said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That's the posture I'm asking you to lean into these last couple of verses, man. As humility is, well, okay, um, I've betrayed the Lord. I've committed treason against the king of the universe. I've abandoned my father. I've backstabbed my creator. I'm not in a good spot. What am I supposed to do now? Peter says, verse 38, this is the, um, the kind of the hinge of this passage. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So um, that verse, fellas, summarizes our two questions from the beginning. The first question, remember, what, what unleashed Peter? And you see here in this, in this sentence, Peter replied to these people who need to be unleashed from their sin, from their slavery, from their bondage, but two being the men and women who they're called to be. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So I want to change the question, even though I postured it to begin with. It's not um, what unleashes you, it's who unleashes you. Mm. Who unleashed Peter? And the answer is Jesus Christ. And he does it by doing two things. One, you see right after the, the words, Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of Peter's sins, we can read about that in John 21 in Peter's case, but we as um, 21st century Americans can experience that uh, by means we'll talk about in a minute. But one, by the forgiveness of, of sins, and two, by the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus and his love for Peter, and then this is an offer to you as a, an individual man as well. Jesus offers two things, forgiveness of your sins, that's justification, that's righteousness before uh the image of God, that's atonement for your sins. That's his um, sacrificial death in your place and resurrection, bringing you into new life with him. And then two, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, our guide, our friend, God literally indwelling within us, that's sanctification. Mm. We're both justified and sanctified by gifts of Jesus. And those are theological words saying he's bringing you home and he's bringing you into his image, right? Good, yeah. So that's, that's the answer to question one. What unleashed Peter is who unleashed Peter, and that's Jesus. Um, second question, how can we experience that very same freedom? Look at those first five words, six words of 38. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Sam, the first imperative, repent. Hmm. Um, you know, other places in the Bible, it says to experience God, I just need to believe. Hmm. But this says repent. Can you iron out? What does it mean to repent? What's that have to do with faith? Sure. I would say that uh, our repenting is evidence of our professed faith. Uh, that's kind of how James says it, that faith without works is dead. So if the video doesn't match up with the audio, we've said that before, you kind of have a problem. Uh, repentance would be turning away from a changing of the mind. Sometimes it's described as doing a 180. So like a, a practical example, of this would be that my sister-in-law Paige is a vegan and has been for the better part of a decade. And even though I know she's a vegan, if I walked in five guys and she's sitting there slamming a double bacon cheeseburger, I'm pretty sure she's not a vegan anymore. 
And that's not to say she messes up and there's, you know, she did, she grew up eating chicken tenders. She doesn't eat them anymore. And early on it was hard to give up ice cream and now her affections and desires have even changed and she doesn't crave those things anymore. So there's something to be said. You mentioned sanctification, but in our, in our repentance, our, our life over time progressively looks less like it did prior to Jesus and over time looks more like Jesus as we walk with him. Okay, so repent is numero uno means to experiencing the unleashing that, that Jesus offer us, offers us. Second, Burke, here it says, be baptized. Uh, what is baptism? Who is meant to pursue and be obedient to the call of baptism and why? Uh, before I get to baptism, I'd just like to add to Sam's point, like also just being very present in that age and we still very much deal with this today, but like when you're repenting, you're also claiming that you, you aren't God, you can't save yourself. And in that Jewish custom, again, we can be crazy legalistic in our world today too, but like, that's a big deal. Like repent, what am I repenting of? Repenting of the fact that you can't save yourself only through this, through the sanctifying blood of Jesus. Are you saved? Uh, and so not just our sinfulness and our sinful nature, but also we are submitting to a Lord. We are admitting that our religion can't save us. Our works can't save us. Um, so yes, I, would, I would just. It's, 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 I think we can think belief is cognitive assent. I agree. Yes, there's a God. But no, what you're saying mm -hmm. is a, it's a moving of our trust, mm -hmm. depending on the God of the universe to redeem me, to tell me I'm okay, to give me peace, joy, hope, everything that I yearn for. I can't turn it up myself. That's yeah. That's that's a right. I can't, I can't, he can. Right. And then like Sam was saying, then the activeness of repentance is a falling away, a walking away of our, our old and into this new, which is a perfect segue to baptism. I love the way Paul puts it uh, in Romans six, four, Paul, Paul says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. So uh, we are, we are, the word baptism is rooted in a, in a, in, in the word immersion. And so we are going into the water. Uh, we are, we are saying, I can't save myself. I need a savior. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. God, forgive me. I believe that Jesus walked out of that tomb. I believe he ascended to the heaven. Uh, I believe who he is, who he says he was in the scriptures. I, I need repentance or I need, I need grace. Uh, I repent and I'm going into that water as a outward symbol of dying with Christ. And I'm coming out of that water uh, born again. And that's kind of a churchy term. And what does that mean? And like Sam was saying, there's a, a process of, of uh, sanctification as we walk with Christ, but like the act of that is an obedient act that Jesus himself went through. Um, and we do that as his followers, as, as very much an outward public display of faith in, in uh, a profession of our faith and what we now believe uh, as Christians. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a, it's a symbol. It's, God is clear throughout the, the entire new Testament. It is not the means to being saved. Um, there's nothing magic about the water. We talk about that with people in, in the mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but it is, it is an outward expression of the reality of I, um, one, there's a God who I have turned against, but he, Jesus, as Peter is preaching here out of experience, 
Sam, why would you send me that? I don't. I, Sam just sent me a chat, guys. I'm <laughs> about pretty good. Sam. Uh, I asked if babies should be baptized. That's a big question for another day. Um, but Peter is preaching about Jesus, who who gave Peter this offer and gives you and I this offer um, of justification of the forgiveness of our sins of trusting in jesus to pay the debt that we incurred by running against him Mm. and then two by giving us the holy spirit in order to become more like him those gifts are offered us we need only not write a resume put a curriculum vitae together not send a really great uh job application but we need only trust believe expressed in repentance which is a turning from the old and toward the new, meaning turning from running away and running back into the arms of a loving father and savior and being baptized, saying to the world, hey, it's not just um, me on my own. I'm a part of the community, which Paul, or which uh, Luke talks about further in these next verses, 42 through um, 47. That's what, that's what we have the offer to, man. So as you go to groups today, look at, at Peter, who... Um, made a fool of himself, humiliated himself. And and look at how Jesus saw him, what Jesus offered him, forgiveness, the spirit, justification, sanctification. And and see, I pray that you would see clearly, Jesus is offering that very same reality to you. That's what what I hope you're led into discussion amongst your men today. These last couple of verses, I won't read them. The last one says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. There were 120 believers on the face of the planet prior to this sermon. Peter whips out Joel and two Psalms, and 3,000 people come to faith. Why? Because he's such a great orator? No, because the God of the universe tends to be enticing. He knows what we need. He offers it to you freely, welcomes you weary and burdened men to come and rest in the arms of a Savior who loves you, has given you what you need in atoning sacrifice, humbled himself to do so, and wants you to look more and more like him so that you can experience the joy with which you were created to experience from the beginning of the creation of man. That is the beauty of the gospel that Peter shouts at these people. We've got less than a minute left on this Zoom before it Amen. shuts off. I'm going to pray. Okay. God. We thank you for these men, uh, for your word, for the opportunity to know, to love you according to what you say in your word. We thank you for this offer. I pray that we would take you up on it. We would repent and be baptized to your glory for our good. Lead us in that. Holy name we pray. Amen. 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 It's close. We did it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.